0: follow this crowd. They'll help you get to your classroom. So I am very used to calling this gentleman uh, Brother Verhoof, but as I understand it, the proper title would be Dr. Verhoof. Now, he and I went to Bible school together. Uh, he, he flew over from Holland to go to Bible school in Florida, uh, so I'll let him tell more of that story, but then we graduated together, and I, brother, have we seen each other since that time? I, I, I think this is the first time in 22 years that we've seen each other. So it was great getting to catch up with him a little bit. But since that time, of course, he's obtained some other degrees. So Dr. Verhoef is the proper designation, I believe. But uh, I, I'm so looking forward to what he has to give to us. So brother, you come on this direction and take our Sunday school hour.
1: Uh, Goedemorgen, allemaal hartelijk welcome deze ochtend in the kerk. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> From now on, I will continue with uh, English. <laughs> uh, I know my limitations. You have to speak the language of the South which I don't speak. I understand it. It's a real blessing to see uh, Baba believers, uh, descendants of um, Protestant uh, Reformed Dutch and Huguenot. I think there are some Huguenot uh, descendants as well, right? Um, and um, I know you've had a, a real bloody history behind you. And uh, <coughs> we're going to go a little bit into that. Uh, I'd like to read a few verses uh, before we go into a, a short message. And it's about uh, missions. And really, we're all missionaries. Uh, the God sent His only begotten Son, and He made Him a missionary. That should be... Enough for us to think what we could do in um, the last days as well for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I'd like to read a few verses from the book of Acts. And um, with your permission, I'll try to um, <coughs> read it in uh, the only verses in the South afrikaanse Bible, And <coughs> in um, Handelingen 13. En het zegt daar, en daar was in die plaatselijke gemeente in Antiochie zekere profeten en leraars, namelijk Barnabas en Simeon, wat Niger genoemd wordt, en Lucius de Kirener en Manaan, wat samen met Herodes, die vier voor groot geworden het en Saulus. En terwijl hun bezig was om die Heer te dienen en te vast, het de Heilige Geest gezegd, Zonder nu Barnabas en Saulus vuur me, mij af, voor die werk waarvoor ik Hulle geroep het. En toen Hulle gevast en gebid het, en Hulle die handen opgelegd het, laat Hulle hulle gaan. Zo het Hulle dan deur die Heilige Geest uitgestuurd, afgegaan naar Seleusje en daarvan dan weggevaar naar Cyprus. En one more verse in verse 47. Of handelingen, handelingen 13 vers 47. Want zo het die Heere aan ons bevel gegeven, ik heb u een licht van die naties gemaakt, zodat u tot redding zal wees tot aan die einde van die aarde. And that is the uh, the first group of men who came from the city. Where your Bible, your King James Bible, your State Bible, and the old South afrikaanse Bible came from—the Antiochian uh, city in Syria, the Antiochian Greek majority text—and um, I want to uh, speak a little bit on, um, on the subject of uh, missions and the burden for missions. And before we do that, I like to have a few quotes, uh, missionary mottoes, you can call them. And there are a few, and I'll read maybe at the end a few more. Some of them may be familiar to you. You must go or send a substitute. If God wills the evangelization of the world and you refuse to support missions, then you're opposed to the will of God. Oswald Smith said the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. This generation can only reach. This generation, we're responsible for our generation. The mission of the church is missions. Anywhere provided it must it, it be forward, David Livingston. He said also, father still father into the night. He said again, God had only one son and he made him a missionary. William Carey, I'm sure you know that quote, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. Only as the church fulfills her missionary obligation does she justify her existence. A man may die leaving upwards of a million without taking any of it upwards. William Fettler: "The light that shines farthest shines brightest, nearest home." You know, you have to start, God, if you won't be used by the Lord and He can use you where you are, He can use you anywhere. And if he can use you among a bunch of stubborn Dutch, amen? Hey, he can use you anywhere. That's, that, that's the truth. And they're, they're one of the hardest people in the world. You know that? We're one of the hardest people in the world. We're one of the most self-righteous, proud, hardworking uh, people in the world. And God can use you here. He can use you anywhere. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. C.T. Studd said that. Giving, give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. <laughs> that, that hits good with you Dutch, amen, eh? Boere. I know that. I know the Dutch are one of the most stingiest people in the world. The Dutch, I didn't say the African. the Dutch, you know, so. But I know you have a little of that in you, amen. Eh? Uh, the prospects are as bright as the promises of God. Adoniram Judson said that. And he was six years in prison before God gave him tens of thousands of souls. Just a few words um, as an introduction, um, I have here a few things uh, from a mission book, over 7 billion souls there, uh, Muslims over 20%, Christians 33%, and the group which grows most are the Evangelicals, and all other churches, so also Baptists you can put on the Evangelicals, all other Christian churches decline, uh, but Evangelicals they are um, growing then um i'm going to the details there if you go into a nation also here in south africa i noticed that uh, you can watch the the people outwardly and you can see they are physically in need they're emotionally in need of certain things but very few look at the spiritual part of a nation and a lot of times um when it comes to um, crime or um, uh, riots or uh, trouble is a result of a spiritual bankruptcy in a nation. I noticed that in south Africa as well i don 't know too much about South Africa, but I remember that in one thousand nine hundred and thirty three you had this um, South African Bible made from the Dutch state Bible, not from the green it was a good thing and in fifty three they made a few changes, but in one thousand nine hundred and eighty three they completely changed the, con- the foundation, and in, I think, 2020, there was a fourth revision there, and it was again based upon the cor- complete corrupt Hebrew and Greek texts. When a nation fools around with the words of God, God will judge the nation. It started in 1983, which was a result of the attack on this book, the old South Bible, in 33, in the State Bible, 1637, and that has been done in the theological. Uh, faculties here in Potjestrom um, or wherever the Stellenbosch, wherever they are, and as a result, you see deterioration of a nation. That is always the result. The Jews have had that, uh, and they always had the right Bible up till today. When it didn't take it serious anymore, God would judge a whole Jewish nation, and they were put under Assyria, under Babylon, and the ten tribes are still gone. The Greeks had the Word of God. Uh, and they still have it but in 1453 because of the idolatry of the Greeks and put the idols of the the, the Roman and Greek gods in the form of saints above Jesus Christ uh, they, they were put 400 years in the Muslim rulership the Germans had it I said in a conversation to a few men here the in, this is the year of the reformation this is 500 year reformation uh, it was not in 1517 when uh, a monk nailed ninety-five theses. It was in 1522 when Luther put the Greek New Testament of the Dutchman Erasmus in eleven weeks in German, and that's where the whole Reformation came into being. There, and it was translated one year later into Dutch, three years later into English when Tyndale went from England to Germany, in Wittenberg, and, and for one year sat at Luther's feet and took that Greek New Testament of, of Erasmus and translated it into English, it was the first of the sevenfold purification, ended up in 1611 in the King James Bible. Uh, and as you maybe know, the Dutch are not always the fastest in the stuff, uh, Goethe said already, when the world goes down I go to Holland, you know, everything happens 50 years later in the <laughs> Netherlands. Uh, and the Dutch <laughs> were uh, in 1637 they made their first complete state Bible that was 27 years after the King James was finished. And because they were the latest of all the continental Bibles, it is one, according to me the best, not because it's Dutch, but it has the King James Bible in front of them already for 27 years. And King James sent people from the King James Company to the, the Dutch state Bibles to help them in the translation. So you can be, I will say these things to make you thankful and proud of your heritage. And as long as you stick with that book, God will bless a family or an individual or a church or a nation. And the moment you go away from that book, God takes his hand of protection away. And you see that more and more in South Africa, you see it in Holland too. And we call that in a difficult word, oikofobi. that means you start to hate your own culture, and your own heritage, you start to be ashamed news of who you are. And you should never be that. You should be proud of what God has given you, and the book says, uh, hold fast what you have, that nobody takes your crown. It's very important to stick with the old paths. Well, if you look at people, um, you can see the medical need, the need for doctors, dentists, Um, good treatment, the social needs. uh, When I go to India, you see it is still there um, when the man dies that some of the the widows uh, are burned as well. Um, You see it in Islam, where I always say in Europe, I don't know how it is in Africa, a lot of people from North Africa and from Iraq, they flee, all the women, and they never flee to Saudi Arabia, have you ever noticed that? (laughs) Uh, You say, well, you go to the center of uh, Islamic purity, right? (laughs) You know where they flee to? Maybe those who flee to South Africa. They flee to Christian Northwestern Europe. Mm -hmm. Because that's where the women are taken care of. Because in the Bible and the New Testament, the women are always taken care of by the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Slave trade. Well, Saudi Arabia is still officially slave trade. Um, No families. Um, The people who are orphans. Uh, They're taking care of, a friend of mine is a German and he's taking care of over 40 orphanages in India. And then they cut off his money support from uh, Germany to India because the Indian government has no care at all for their own orphans. That's a typical thing of uh, a a government which is not under biblical authority. They have no care for the souls of those who can't uh, help themselves. Economically, you see many times a nation with a high inflation, no labor, women who have to uh, work, it's a result oft of taking, getting away from the scriptures. If you stick with the book, the man is a responsible person, takes care of his whole family, and the woman can take care of their kids. They don't have to, like in Europe now, you have to both work 38-hour work week to make ends meet. And the kids are taken care of by the state, just like Plato's Republic. Spiritually is the greatest trouble in any nation. I live in Switzerland. Maybe some of you have been to Switzerland. Everybody likes to go there. It's a beautiful country. It's rich. It was not involved in two world wars. Uh, But the nation is a dark nation. No American missionaries are allowed to come into Switzerland. They don't want them. Uh, Of course, when you're a Mormon, you can get in there. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Or Joe Witness. but not when you're a, uh, a Baptist missionary there. They don't want that. They want their money there, but they're spiritually dark people there. Uh, The Netherlands, maybe some of you know about that. It's very sad what's happening in the Netherlands. There are very, very few Bible-believing churches. I don't know how many are like this church are in South Africa. You're very lucky to be in a church like this. Uh, I know only of about three, and now starting a fourth one uh, in the Netherlands, four Bible-believing Baptist churches uh, who have... uh, good nourishment from the scriptures, rightly divide the word of truth, go out regularly to minister and win souls. That's a normal thing. I always say to the people there, we are a normal church. <laughs> uh, we're not, not, unfortunately, we look a little strange because most people don't do what we're supposed to do. Stick with the right book, rightly divide the word of truth, go out. And then you look something extraordinary, but we are really normal Bible-believing Christians. As they have been in the last 2,000 years, but there are very, very few left. In Holland, I only know four churches. In Switzerland, also five churches. In Austria, maybe two. In Germany, more. There are more missionaries there, but the the situation is is very. And I just tell you that uh, not not only so you get an idea of also affluent nations in northwest of Europe. And uh, Bola Flick has been traveling through the United States. And I assume there are plenty of big cities and states. Not a single Bible-believing work. And there are hundreds of thousands of people there. They would love to go to a place, and they're just not there because there are lack of laborers. And uh, I know when God puts you in this church, maybe you have to be there and just enjoy the time and with your family there. But there may be a few men here, and that's the subject of the second hour, who God may call to be a laborer into his harvest field. And i tell you one thing, it's the, hard, it's the greatest calling, uh, it's the hardest, and the most rewarding, and it's not easy. It is really not easy. I always look for a challenge, Giving give you my testimony, and when I got this, I thought by myself, here's my challenge. And looking backward, I thought by myself, well, only by the grace of God i able to get through there, because it's, it's, it's harder than you think it is, and it's harder than any worldly secular calling. And uh, that's why uh, so many uh, so few, so few, uh, so many drop out after a few years, um, but it's, um, it's very necessary. labor's in the harvest um, it has um, uh, uh, you, you go for eternal rewards, you need an eternal look to continue, uh, and you need to look at people as souls, not just as. Uh, physical beings with uh, physical needs, they sure they have that but uh, you are a soul you have a body and you have first of all spiritual needs and these can only be met spiritually, we read about it in Acts chapter 13, by the word of God, by prayer, by fasting there that's where it starts and the material, the physical blessings can be a result of the spiritual blessings in time um Well, what do we have? The first thing we have is the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he, Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, came on this earth to pay with his blood, God's blood, for the sins of everybody. I always think if, I, if you and I could take a look last night what was going on in Potjastrom for sin in Durban, in, in Cape Town, what's been going on. And as God, you see that, and then you still haven't judged it, and you still say, I give all these people who sinned another chance to repent and trust the blood of my son. Now that's a lot of grace and mercy. And he expects us to look at sinners like that. They're they're, they're captive in their sins. They're chained with their cords of sin, and that's how the devil tries to put them into hell. And some people, they have sinned so much. I've seen it so many times. Last year, there was a guy in Pakistan, and he was blind. He preached the gospel to him. He was in his 90s. And at the end, about blind Bartimaeus, I asked for an uh, invitation. And, and uh, he didn't. He raised his hand. He didn't come up. In the end, I went to him, and I said, sir, he, was, he had his eyes, you know, they were like that. You know, they were all white here. And I said, sir, you don't have much uh, longer anymore. And he said, I know. I said, I didn't see you want to get saved. He said, I want to get saved, but uh, I didn't raise my hand. I said, why didn't you raise your hand? He said, you don't know what I did in my life. I'm so wicked, God can never, ever accept me. He sincerely believed that his sins were greater than the grace of God in Jesus Christ. So I'd explain him what Jesus did for him and that there was no sin too great what Jesus Christ didn't pay for. And he said, if that's true... He said, yeah, I said, i like to pray you. And I've prayed, he said, now you need to ask the Lord and call upon his name by faith alone. And he did. And it was such a joy. And he said, now I'm ready um, to go into return. I know my sins are gone. He, was, he had this burden of sin. He was so afraid. He knew he deserved hell. And he was free, truly free. And that's what people need in this country. Uh, it's, it's not about apartheid. It's about being free in Jesus Christ. And that's can only the gospel of the grace of God can do that. And when these people, I've seen it in Pakistan, India, you've had similar things, people finding each other there. A million people died in '47 at the independence there. You see now in Afghanistan and uh, Pakistan, we have now these people there, they get saved, Pakistanis or Indians or pakistan Pakistanis, they come together, they're one church. There's true love, there's true unity. It's only possible because the glorious gospel that Jesus Christ died for our sins, individual sins, was buried and rose again from the dead. It's only by faith alone you can get saved. You can know you are saved. And I want to talk a little bit about that later because I was a Dutch Reformed, a proud, self-righteous Dutch Reformed, and I thought I can be elect and make it because of my good works, because of my... Um, own righteousness. Mm-hmm. And there is, when there's one sin which damns a man, it's that sin. God has paid for every other sin. Never forget that. Uh, from adultery, multiple mortar, murder, murders, rape. He has paid for that in the sum. But he has not paid when you when you sit here as a maybe self-righteous person and you say, I don't need Jesus Christ. I don't need to trust him because I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. Then you say God, you're a liar, your son Jesus Christ didn't die for my sins. And for that sin, he cannot forgive you, the sin of unbelief. And that's the sin I was guilty of for 19 plus years, as a stubborn Dutch reformed five-point tulip Calvinist. I didn't know any better, but it was drilled in me. And uh, remember when I went to, um, I grew up in Amsterdam, in Het uh, Gooi, near Hilversum. And uh, it was in Haarlem a very staunch um, uh, man. We had so many churches there when I came to America. You have uh, all these kind of churches, but we had all bunch of churches, Calvinistic churches. And you know the Dutch split in all kind of different. You, see, you have, I think, three different Reformed churches here in South Africa, right? <laughs> or maybe you have more now, but we have probably split too. But we have <laughs> way more in <now>. Holland. <laughs> uh, and I was I was a member of the one of Abraham Kuyper, the. I called them the Doleance in 1892, you know, the kind of the general reforms. And um, I heard every Sunday morning the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not, and uh, thou shalt not. And, uh, thou shalt not and, uh. and what, but it was a good thing, because the Bible says through the law, there's knowledge of sin. Amen? Um, but the older I get, the more I knew oh, I, oh, I broke that one, and, uh, that broke that one. <laughs> and then uh, after that did my uh, gymna- gymnasium, my um, preparation for university, I went to study economics in Groningen. My dad was a dentist, and he said, um, well, history or law, well, hist- law is okay. History, uh, you, know, you have to study economics, because I got my contacts. I got a cousin at the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund. He said, you do that, you get your degree there, and I pay your way to the Harvard Business School, and then you go to IMF and the World Bank, and we got our contacts there. And, you know, you do something with your life, son. He was a dentist, and his thing was being in church. He became a deacon in the reformed church, and then uh, his son needed to be... Uh, successful monetary wise and i said well you know an order is an order so you know you follow what your dad suggested so you went to study economics <laughs> i went to groningen in the north of the netherlands and uh, i went to the reformed church because i did i don't know how you say that in english uh, public confession of my faith when i was 19 geloofsbelijdenis yeah so I so had 5 years it was preparation for 5 years catechism um, catechisatie catechisatie. Kategorisatie. Nou dan uh, katechisatie. en dan ja, uh, yeah, dan do de fifty-two Sundays of de Heidelberg katechismus, uh, de Duitse leerregels en dan je hebt memoriseren, memoriseer je weet en hoort je je zin en dit, dit en dit. Oké, five years. Well, I have to admit, I was not such uh, uh, so sort of interested in this whole catechism. Uh, my thing was football. Uh, they, they say soccer here is not is the wrong thing. Uh, what do they say in South Africa? Football. 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 F- football. <laughs> and South Afrikaans, you say football? football. Soccer. <laughs> ah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that was my idol. <laughs> and uh, I had to go to Catechism, but uh, when I was 14, they dressed me for the Dutch national youth uh, thing there, and I was happy. My parents were not. And they said, This is not, uh, you need to concentrate on your studies. And they were right, I was wrong, but they didn't want to listen. And uh, when I was 17, I, I messed up my knees. A year later, again, and at the same time, I was in the hospital, couldn't play for one and a half years, and somebody gave me a Bible. It was a wrong one. Uh, you call, would call them a 1983 South African Bible, that, that's a Dutch one, the wrong text. But I started to read it. And I, I heard the Ten Commandments every Sunday, so I knew I was a sinner. But I, I didn't understand salvation. I could not understand how you can be sure of eternal life and forgiveness of your sins. I tried my best, and the older I got... 17, 18, 19, you know, you start to drink and do this. It was close to Amsterdam and was not the ideal city to <laughs> live a holy life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got more and more messed up in sin. And then uh, I did my geloos blindness when I was 19, so public confession of faith. And you hear the um, confession of what is it, uh, apostolic uh, confession of faith, apostolic geloos blindness, and you have to say yes, you know, yes, the devil can say yes about that too. And I thought, now it's all right. So I went to Groningen to study economics. That was the only city (laughs) where all the bars and cafes were open 24-7. That's where I went. Now, you can imagine, you know, I didn't see much study books in the beginning. But uh, I went to church to appease my conscience. And I heard the Ten Commandments again. I said, no, man, I'm such a sinner, you know, I can't make it. And uh, I knew I was lost. I knew that. But I thought, if I, if, I, if I do enough good works, I can outbalance my sins. And um, then I met through a student organization, a young man, and he said, would you mind to read the um, Gospel of uh, John with me? And I thought, that's a good idea, to God, the Gospel of John. I don't know much about the Bible, because I read the Calvinistic books by, by Kuiper and Berkov and... Uh, the the Heidelberg Catechism, I knew that, but I didn't know the Bible. And I certainly didn't know the New Testament. So I said, well, that's fine. So we were a few students, and one of them took time with me alone. And once every two weeks, we sat together, read a chapter, and we tried to understand two things. Who is Jesus, and what did he do for you? Very simple. So I went through that, and after about six months, it dawned upon me, that Jesus came to give me a life, and it cost him his life. And he shed his blood for my personal sins. Now, I knew that he died for the sins of the world. But I didn't know he died for my personal sins. That was new for me. I was taught, also in prayer, you don't pray a personal prayer. You only pray the Lord's Prayer, and you don't talk about anything personal in your faith, because that's something between you and God. That's what I was told. So anything personal between me and my parents or between me and God was just not done. And uh, I learned, I saw this other guy who spent time with me, individual, and he had a personal, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I didn't know what it was. So I looked upon him, you know, I looked in him and I studied the prayer and said, well, this is really special. And, and there were small things. I remember once we were with a group of guys together, and we was a barbecue, and there came from the North Sea, this huge amount of dark clouds, and we knew it would rain within five minutes, heavy rain. And there was this, 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 this guy who was working for his PhD in physics, and he looked and he said, Oh God, we're going to have a barbecue now. Please stop the rain. Amen. I thought, no, that will never work. I know that. <laughs> uh, a little unbelievable, a little thomas. And I still remember these clouds came and they came over and there was no rain. And I thought, man, that, work, that prayer works. <laughs> I never saw that. I never saw a prayer working, you know, a general prayer there, but a personal prayer, it never worked. And then this other guy, you know, he prayed with me and I looked at him and he said, that guy has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I, di- I didn't have that. And personal prayer, I had no idea how to personally talk to God. So after about half a year, I was about 19, and then. Uh, the guy said, uh, Nico, have you ever thought about receiving Jesus Christ? I said, well, what do you mean receiving Jesus Christ? I'm one of the elect, you know. Well, I tried to be one of the elect, amen. <laughs> <laughs> I, was not, I was sure, I, was, I, I knew I was not yet there, but I was working on it. I was working on it. So, then he said, well, the Bible says that Jesus, he said, oh, it's finished at the end. So when it's finished, he paid for everything. And he, he is alive, he rose, do you believe that? Yeah, 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 I believe that. He says, well, the Bible says if you believe with your heart and if you confess him with your mouth, he'll save you. Oh, what does it mean? He said, well, you believe. Yeah, I believe. You believe he died for your personal sins. He said, yeah, 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 I guess so. I said, why don't you ask him to save you? I said, yeah, that's a good one. So I went home and I said, went to, no, by my bad. I said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I am messed up. I know very well. No matter what kind of show I put on outwardly, I know I'm a sinner. I need you. And right now, Jesus, uh, you're here. I just call upon your name and please save me and with your blood cleanse my sin. I didn't feel nothing. I went to bed. I woke up. And when I woke up, the first time in my life, I knew I had a peace above understanding. It was such a joy and a peace. And from that moment on, I had my my, my Dutch Bible. It was the wrong one, too, by the way. Uh, But I I couldn't stop reading. I read it, you know, I read it, I mean... uh, through once twice three times i made all kind of notes and then i, I first thing noticed my, my taste for music changed i was raised with that rock and roll junk in the 70s and 80s and i wanted to read christian songs classical Bach. i liked i didn't want to hear all that stuff anymore thirdly i like my beers you know the dutch like their alcohol especially as a football player like your beers when it gets hot and i remember i had this uh, Beer uh, thing there and the balcony at the end of the summer it was still there I didn't touch it anymore and after some time I prayed about it and said Lord what do you want me to do I heard no sermon at all on alcohol is not right because you know most Dutch Christians they drink keep on drinking not too much but they drink and I, the Lord said it is not good and so I took all and I poured it all away all the beer is gone I never bought any beer never drank any beer after that uh, and then uh, the Lord said um, well you know it's about time you're gonna witness um, but you have to make things in order. You have to apologize for things you did in the past. So you have to go back to certain people and say, I'm sorry I did this and this and this. Would you forgive me? Including to my parents. And I had to go to my parents. It was a very humiliating thing. But I said, Mom and Dad, I'm sorry I did messed up here and here. Would you forgive me? And they looked at me a little weird. And they thought, well, <laughs> you know, maybe you needs to shrink or something. You know, it will, it, it will pass away, you know. And uh, then... Uh, after some time, the <coughs> Lord said, now, this, this football deal, you play, like to play ball. Oh, yeah, I said, yeah, playing play the first team, the university soccer team, you know, and, and everybody knows, so I can witness, and the Lord said, uh, are you willing to give it up for me? Oh, no. Oh, sure, no, but, you know, are other, other things, you know, I like to uh, do for you or give up? And the Lord said, uh, no, I want, uh, I want that. Oh. Well, uh, well, um, well I, I wanted to learn how to witness and win souls. I didn't know how to do that. Because, you know, you don't learn that in the Calvinistic Reformed Church. Amen? You don't learn how to win souls. I like to learn that. And the Lord said, Matthew 4:19, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I fish of is good. Well, you have to follow me first. Yeah, no problem. What, what should I do? The Lord said, you don't have to do nothing. You have to leave out something. Hmm. Mm. See, we Dutch Germans, we want to do all kind of things. We want to do this, this, and the Lord. Sometimes the Lord says, you want to give up that for me? And that's way more difficult. And the, the Lord says it in, um, that's what a verse he gave me, a very uncomfortable verse. You know, maybe you've had that too, you got saved, and the Lord gives you all kind of bad things, you know, because you have to unlearn, undo a few things you picked up. And that's not nice. And you see the price you have to pay now, but you don't know the blessing he has for you. Once you give up whatever he wants you to give up, right. and he says in John 12:24, "Verily, verily, I sent you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. If it die, it bringeth forth much fruit." Lord said, "You want to have much fruit?" He said, "Yeah, I like to see much fruit." You have to die. <laughs> you have to die, boy. Well, uh, what about that? Well, first you have to apologize for all these things. Well, I did that and make up things and you have to make things up financially too and then you're going to c- quit your, your 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 playing ball hmm. oh lord you know, i'm you know, i playing the first team. i have a good witness in it cut it out all right now cut it out so we gave it up and i said lord you cannot do that but i said lord uh, if if i if after one year nobody got saved then i go back to playing ball the lord didn't say nothing there and, uh, <laughs> and i said that to him it was my side. So <laughs> I said, well, uh, I, I started scripture, memorize scripture, quiet time, and, and witness. And, and uh, I had an older Christian. He showed me how to give it to Weston, and I watched him, you know, and I said, well, i go with him. And after some time, I remember one, year, one month after I stopped playing ball, I was invited for a birthday party. And it was a reformed guy, Dutch reformed guy, and all these guys there, and normally it starts at... You know, eight or nine, but at 11, everybody was gone. And I was there with the birthday boy and another guy. And I prayed, Lord, give me a conversation so I can witness to one soul. And the Lord said, Now there he is. And I said, Well, uh, so <coughs> well, I witness now. I said, Well, just, uh, well, uh, so and so. I said, Do uh, you ever go to church? He said, Yeah, I go to church. What church? Well, reformed. I said, oh, well, so me. Oh, really? I said, yeah. Are you saved or you lost reformed? He said, Well, I don't know. Because, you know, you cannot say that, right? When you're reformed, you cannot say, I'm saved. Because that's very, it's way too proud. So I said, I hope so. I said, What do you count on? He said, Well, he said, I'm going to church and hear the Ten Commandments and, and go to church and do right. And he said, what are your sins? He said, Well, they're on me said, can I explain to you how you get rid of your sins? He said, sure. So I explained the gospel. I memorized a few things in the scriptures and he went through that and, and I said, Do you believe that? Yeah, he said. He said, You know your sinner. Yeah. You want to get saved? Yeah, he said. I said, Whoa, what now? <laughs> 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 and uh, I said, Well, the Lord you know, knocks in your heart and you want to trust him, he'll take your sins and you get his righteousness. Would you like? Oh, yeah, he said. And he went on knees, right in the middle of that room there, with my other Christian buddy, and he got saved. It was my f- I was 22 years of age. my first soul led ever to Jesus Christ. I went, uh, gave him a Bible, followed him up, and through that guy, over 10 guys got saved in that Dutch Reformed uh, countryside town outside of Groningen. And uh, oh, a few of them have become preachers, or lay preachers. But it started with one guy. And I remember I went home on my little bicycle, And I was so happy. I had such a joy. I had tasted of the joy of leading an eternal soul to Jesus Christ. And I thought by myself, that was now 32 years ago. And I thought by myself, that's the real life. That's the real deal, man. And I I want more of this. And uh, the Lord, I guess, made a note and I got you, I got you, boy. Now you got this is way better than all that drinking and all that partying and all that career stuff. This is by God's grace being used to lead an eternal soul to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that year, nineteen people came to Jesus Christ. And after that, in one year, I, came back to, I went back to my old uh, town in Amsterdam and looked up all my football buddies. They were in the bars, of course. So I went Friday night at 11 o'clock, which is a stupid thing to do, but I didn't know much better. I was just saved. And I looked up and I said, hey, how are you doing there? You know, And they were in their beers, and I was witnessing, and I got into real trouble in the bars. Uh, so I advise you not to do that, amen? Just tell you that. It's not very wise to go in the bars and witness to people at 11 at night. But <laughs> uh, after that year... Then uh, I thought, well, you know, it's time to go back and uh, playing ball. And the Lord said, hey, you remember what you said? If nobody gets saved, you go back. But n- if you're 19 souls, hmm. oh, yeah. So <laughs> stay there. And we kept on going. And uh, I've still played ball, just wherever you go outside, you know, football is the thing you can play anywhere. And I use it to draw people and spend time with them afterwards and so forth. And you can play a little ball, some basketball or anything. You play ball, all the kids come out. And afterwards, you know, you witness them. You can play ball, you have a little credibility. I use it many times. Uh, you stay in shape too. It's also a good thing. But I never went back playing ball anymore because the Lord gave me something better. And in, that, in these years... The Lord said, here are these souls, they need to be fed. You need to disciple them. So I had to stay ahead, help them memorize scripture, have a quiet time, so they they could continue to grow. It took them on mission trips to different nations there. One of these mission trips, I um, picked up tracks by a certain man, Chick. Maybe you know the the little Chick tracks, these little comic books, I don't know if you know them. And uh, uh, I had these big comics there, one of them was sabotage. It was about the Bible corruption. And I didn't know that, but it was kind of two streams of Bibles. The old stream, the 99% of the majority text of all the Greek manuscripts, 5,500 manuscripts support your state Bible, old Sudafrikaans, the 1933 Bible King James text. And the new version, 1%, is from Alexandria, Egypt, and it's missing 2,000 words in the New Testament, including the Trinity, the deity of Jesus Christ, and so forth. I didn't know that. I really didn't know that. And I memorized hundreds of verses in this new version, I got saved through, and I saw, well, the State Bible is the best Bible. So I wrote a book in Dutch called God Wrote Only One Bible There, and had uh, all these comparisons of 70 different Bibles, presented it to the people in my church. I got baptized in that church, and all the elders rejected that. And then I thought, I want to learn Greek and Hebrew. I already studied Greek and Hebrew in uh, the Netherlands at university. After my studies in economics, I worked there as a manager, as a training manager in the Netherlands, and I said, I got some money uh, stored up. I want to learn Greek and Hebrew uh, about the right Bible. Where can I go? And I ended up, same place as your pastor, in Pensacola, Florida. I went there for three years, went forth and back. And um, in that time, I picked up what I call street preaching, public preaching. And it was the same thing. first thing I, I went there was in August '97. Never saw a street preacher, never did it. And they said, well, you want to preach? I said, yeah, sure, i tried. Great. It is great to publicly preach the gospel of the grace of God. Yes. And I went everywhere and I thought, you know, I'm going to be a street preacher. I'm going to go back to Europe, wherever, and publicly preach and win souls. That was my thing. I thought, uh, wrong. <laughs> I had to learn a few things. The Lord decides where he wants you to be and what he wants you to be. And he calls you for his purposes. So I remember, uh was in 1999, we were on a street preaching trip from England to Greece with two guys, Bill Eubanks passed away, and Jimmy Hoot he passed away, two, two street preachers from the States. And we had about 35,000 tracks and we visited missionaries, preached tract. And we came through a little country called Liechtenstein. It's between Austria and uh, Switzerland and uh, in the Alps. And uh, they looked for a pastor. And the missionary said, well, we look for a pastor. And I thought, pastors? I had to think of my days when I had to go to church, in the Reformed Church. I was so bored in that church. I had to go there. But, you know, we've always played ball, you know, and we're sitting there Friday night, Saturday night, and and drinking there, and then we had to go to church on um, uh, Sunday morning. Now, we had these balconies there, you know, these big churches. had the balconies there, and we were all sitting up on the balconies because you could sleep there, and you could like this. (laughs) The only thing you have to do, you then snore loud, but you could rest there. And we didn't pay attention to what was being said there. And uh, every Sunday came. It was the most boring day for me, I said. And I remember my, aunt, my grandmother said, Oh, you can learn well. You have to become a pastor. Because in these days, maybe here too, a pastor, you all uh, the older sons of a pastor, that's a really an, a kind of a, an honorary thing, you know, for a family to have a son as a pastor. But I never wanted to be a pastor. I hated Sundays in churches. I want to play ball. So, I went to Liechtenstein, the guy said, We need pastor. I said, Well yeah, I'll pray about it, but yeah, so the Lord sends somebody, I thought. Went back to the States. My teacher uh, met me there at the, in the playing hockey or cricket ball, and he said he was, he just came back from there and he said he was there fifty year in the ministry and 1999, they gave him some kind of thing to go to Austria and Germany, and he preached there. And he said, hey, Verhoof, uh, they look for a pastor. I said, yeah, yeah, I heard about it. Why don't you pray about it? Yeah, 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 I pray about it. I <laughs> had oh, no desire to go there. And then uh, the church wrote, and said, would you uh, give your testimony and a uh, um, statement of faith? I said, no, do that. Uh, after graduation, went over there, and uh, well, there was this big, European Championship football in Holland and Belgium, and we had 200,000 chick tracks. We had 10 American brothers who came with me, straight preaching for a month. I thought, this is great. This is what I want to do. At the end, I had to go to this church to candidate. But I didn't want to candidate, but I promised to go there. So I said, well, we go there. And went over there for 10 days. It was in German-speaking area. I preached in German, a few sermons. And to my horrors, the church voted 100% to have me as the pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor. So I said, what now? I said, well, pray and fast. So we prayed and fast, and the Lord gave me in John 21 that um, the Lord says to Simon Peter, Peter, you love me. Yeah, I love you. Feed my lambs. You love me? Yeah, feed my sheep. You love me? Feed my sheep. The Lord said, here are the sheep. I died for them. You want to pastor them? You want to feed them? If you love me? Well, what can you do? An order is an order. So I got stuck right there in the Alps, in Liechtenstein, and pastoring a church. So we started pastoring there. We started an institute a year later. And um, I thought by myself, well, uh, the street preaching, I still can do that. So we had all these street preaching tours all through Europe, you know. So at least we had a little action going on there. But did I know that there was plenty of action when uh, starting and pastoring a church? Hey, Amen. <laughs> There's plenty of action there, too. So... Um, uh, we, we did that, and uh, we were faithful in that, and then the Lord opened the door in the south of Austria. Then in Switzerland, we moved into Switzerland, and um, we, I said, my wife and I got married uh, after I graduated from PBI. I met her in uh, Florida. She's from Texas. Amen. Not from America, from Texas. Amen. I know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll learn a few things. I know Mike and I met on that. It's, yep. it's very important. There's a difference there. Um, And I've been married now for 18 uh, years, almost, sorry, 18 years in June. Uh, And um, uh, three children and two years after we got married we moved from Austria into Switzerland. We started church there, an institute there, a few guys started their own churches now in Switzerland and then in Germany and then later God opened doors to go to India. We have an institute there and about 40 plus men graduated, about 30 have started churches in different parts of India, then Pakistan, uh, the last 15 years, uh, and then Afghanistan, and then Nepal, and Myanmar, and then we all saw the same thing there. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, as the Lord said, in John chapter, I'm sorry, I'm over time, it's not good. Uh, John 13, 47, um, uh, sorry, uh, Acts 13, verse 47, that last part um, <coughs> we read, um, For so had the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And I want to finish with this. When we just got saved and started going with the student ministry in Gronium, we said, let's take a world map. We put a world map and put it out there. And we prayed for one and a half years for every nation, for the missionaries we knew, uh, for about two hours every Sunday night. I said, Lord, use us there and help us, blah, blah, blah. And then when w- later, when we started these ministries in Asia, we found out the need is everywhere the same. People can get saved fairly easy. But training them and teaching them is a completely different matter. Right. And then having them a good, sound Bible is another matter. So in time, we just uh, last sent a bunch of containers to Pakistan, India, with Bibles in Hindi and Telugu and Pashto, the Afghani language, Farsi. Uh, Iranian language, Urdu, Pakistan language, good Bibles from the King James text, and then an institute, and from there healthy churches and indigenous national Bible believers who can meet the spiritual need in these nations. At uh, the same in in uh, Europe we have an institute, the European Bible Institute there, the same thing what you've done here, which your pastor does here as well, it's so important, uh, because if you do that you uh, reach the next generation, And you train this generation of men to, they can be a full-time engineer or whatever, but you can still learn the Bible and be a good uh, laborer in areas where others can never go. So I can only encourage you one thing. Um, As a 5.2 Calvinist, I thought my main thing is making money in a worldly career. God saved me. God opened my eyes. Got me on the right Bible, right doctrine. And I noticed one thing. If you stick with the book and the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter if you fooled him or part-time, you follow him, it will never be boring. And if you see some fruit, and the the biggest fruit we see at the Judgment seat of Jesus Christ, it's the most rewarding thing you can do. You have a great church, you have a a beautiful institute where you can learn the book. Especially young men, especially those who are not married, you have a lot of time on your hands, spend the time wisely in the book, learn the book and learn to pass it on. And you'll never, ever regret that. Thank you for your time.
0: Hang on to that. The, the only thing I regret is that we don't have more time, right? I, I, I could sit and listen to those stories for, <clears throat> for hours and hours. That's great stuff. I appreciate the testimony. We're going to hear more from Brother Verhoof when we get to our main service. So let's just all stand. We'll have a word of prayer, and we'll dismiss for a little bit of fellowship. Father, thank you for this opportunity this morning to hear what you've done in this man's life. And Lord, uh, to be encouraged and exhorted. And uh, Father, we, we, we thank you for that great grace that he spoke of. For your long-suffering, it is our salvation, Lord. You waited for us uh, to, to see that light and to come to it. And Lord, I pray that maybe somebody's heart in this room this morning was touched. Maybe this testimony spoke to them personally. And we pray that you would continue to work in that uh, heart. And we pray that you continue to work in our service throughout the rest of this day. Bless our family.